This is the Dreamers Podcast, episode 39, with personal finance expert and founder and CEO of You Need a Budget, Jesse Mickham. Today is October 12th, 2021. And we spend all of this time earning money. And then for some reason, we don't spend very much or any time at all thinking about what that money should do. All that effort gets converted to a dollar and then we don't throw any more effort to that dollar to say, okay, let's make sure it's doing what we really truly care about. When your money is doing what you care about, it's not restrictive at all. It's liberating. Hello world. Welcome to the Dreamers Podcast. I am Stephanie Annies, also known as Annies Wealth. I'm a financial coach and an author. I self-published my first book, Dream of Legacy, a guide to help dreamers reach financial independence and build generational wealth. In this podcast, I'll have conversations with experts and thought leaders who dare to follow their dreams. You'll hear about their journey and their money stories. I hope it inspires you, dreamers out there, to live life on your own terms. Come on, dreamers. Let's change the world. This podcast is brought to you by Dream of Legacy. Check out dreamoflegacy.com for resources to assist you on your journey to financial independence. Before we get into today's episode, please take a couple minutes to go into Apple Podcasts if you're listening from an Apple device to rate and review the podcast. If you appreciate the free resources that are provided in this podcast, then the best way to let me know is to do just that. Reviews help the podcast be more visible and it helps other dreamers discover the podcast. So thank you. I appreciate you. And now let's get back to today's episode. Hello. Welcome to the Dreamers Podcast. I'm your host, Anis Wealth, and I'm so happy you're here today. Today on the podcast, I am chatting with personal finance expert, speaker, and founder and CEO of You Need a Budget also known as YNAB. Jesse is the host of the You Need a Budget podcast, and he's a Wall Street Journal bestselling author. After creating a spreadsheet to manage finances for him and his wife, he actually turned this tool that he created into a business. And so YNAB is thriving. It was named as Fortune's number four best small company to work for. YNAB is a leading personal finance platform that has helped hundreds of thousands of people gain control of their money. Today on the podcast, we'll talk, you guessed it, budgeting. Jesse is going to go over the four rules to a successful budget and why everyone needs a budget. He's going to share some of the systems that he has in place as an entrepreneur and a father of seven and so much more. So here is Jesse Mickham. Jesse Meekham, welcome to the Dreamers Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Jesse, can you tell our listeners a little bit about you and what you do? Yeah, so my main focus is trying to teach people that they need to learn how to budget correctly. I don't mean budget like be restrained, budget like never have any fun. I mean, I want to teach people how to make sure that their money is lining up with what they really, truly care about. So I started a business back in 2004 doing just that. And we teach and run classes and I've written a book and then we, all that's for free. And then we sell software to help people implement what we teach. And so can you tell us a little bit about your budgeting story and how that led to 
what many people know now as uh, you need a budget. Yeah. So YNAB was born mainly just from the need of a single couple, a newlywed couple. That was me and my wife, Julie. And we were newlyweds, young, still in school. And things were going okay. You know, we were making 10 bucks an hour, 11 bucks an hour, and we were just living really, really cheaply. And we were watching all of our pennies with a spreadsheet that I had built that was kind of the original piece of software that we used, if you could even call it software. But what was really kind of the push for us was about a year after we were married, we were going to have a baby. And my wife really wanted to be able to just step out of the workforce and focus entirely on this new baby. And I was obviously totally on board with that. So with that in mind, I thought, well, maybe this budget that just Julie and I have used, maybe other people would want to buy it. Maybe we could sell it. And so, you know, that was where we had the business born. But the very first version was just for us. It was just the two of us. And from that, we kind of learned these, I would just call it a new way of looking and thinking about your money to help you making the best decisions you can for you. So we often hear that budgets are restrictive. Why do you think people should have a budget? So I think they just have to recognize that a budget is a plan for your money. Nothing more, nothing less. It's a plan. It's your plan for your money. So it's you saying, this is what I want my money to do. And if you want your plan to be very restrictive, by all means, you can do that. I don't want to live that way. And very few people do. So for us, it's about saying, what do we want that money to do and deciding and being proactive. And in that sense, the budget isn't restrictive at all. It's just a representation of your best plan for your money. And we spend all of this time earning money. And then for some reason, we don't spend very much or any time at all thinking about what that money should do. All that effort gets converted to a dollar and then we don't throw any more effort to that dollar to say, okay, let's make sure it's doing what we really truly care about. When your money is doing what you care about, it's not restrictive at all. It's liberating. So you talk about the four rules to a successful budget. Do you mind sharing what those rules are? Yeah, absolutely. So the first rule is that you give every single dollar a job. No dollar escapes your view. You're a boss. You're a drill sergeant. You're giving orders to your little army of dollars. And you're making sure that proactively you are deciding this is what I want this dollar to do. I want this dollar to pay rent. I want this dollar to pay my light bill. I want this dollar to have some fun. Those are all jobs for your dollars. The second rule, it called embracing your true expenses. And what we mean by that is we want you to look ahead to your less frequent, usually larger expenses that tend to surprise people. So they aren't always thinking about the vacation they'd like to take or the property tax bill that's due or a life insurance premium that may be coming up or maybe holiday spending, something really fun. They aren't thinking about those things. And so when they come up, they just think, oh, well, this is just an exception. This isn't a normal month. I'll make this up later. I'll put this a little bit on the card. What they're not doing is giving every dollar a job while thinking about those larger, less frequent jobs that their dollars also need to do. So I want you to be thinking, should I go out today and go grab a pizza? And you're weighing things like, and how much do I want to set aside for holiday gifts this year? Where you're thinking about the current you and future you and the needs of both as you're giving every dollar a job. Our third rule is to, and it's a little weird that we have to make it a rule, but it is to roll with the punches, meaning you have a plan, it's your plan, and then if you get new information, if life happens, throws you a curveball, you adjust that plan. It's far too often we think budgets need to be this perfect representation of the best guess we would ever possibly make given this dynamic environment that is life. 
And what I'm saying is be more like a basketball coach where you're making halftime adjustments and adjustments on the fly as you see how your opponent, or in this case, life, kind of is playing against you. Our fourth rule is to aid your money. We want people to be to get to a point, and the first three rules will help them do that, where they are living on last month's income, where a dollar they earn today, they won't spend for 30, 45, maybe even 60 days. And we call that aging your money. How old is that dollar that you just spent? Is it a day old? You're probably very stressed. Is it three months old? I don't think you're very stressed at all. In that instance, we can have people step away from the financial edge, get a little bit of breathing room, sleep better, literally, and have less emotionally charged conversations with their financial partner. It all rolls up into one very nice way of thinking about your money. That's very interesting what you said about aging your money. So for someone who might be interested in, you know, not spending yesterday's dollar, yeah. what are some of the things that they can do to get to the point where they're actually able to spend money that, that's like 30, 60, 90 days old? Yeah. A lot of the time when they follow the first three rules, they're giving every dollar a job. They're thinking about the large, less frequent expenses. They're weighing the future and the present together as they make those decisions. They're adjusting as things change. Those first three rules really are the magic. And they'll notice that their money just starts to get older. And in the software, we track it, but it's really more of a mentality than anything else. You know, in the software, you could say, oh, it's 10 days old. And then a week later, you could say, oh, it's about 17 days old. And it just keeps climbing and climbing. As long as you're spending less than you make, that number will keep climbing. What's interesting is you don't really have to do anything particular. I could give you saving strategies. I could say, oh, you know, when you go out, share an entree or do something to make your car more efficient when you drive or look for subscriptions that you aren't using and cut those or here's how to shop at a grocery store to save more money. Frankly, all of those tips work and they just aren't where I like to spend my time. Most people, when they're proactively deciding what they want their money to do, they find the places where they don't like their money is spending time. They find those places where they just say, oh, my money was doing that? What? Oh, I don't want that. And they stop. And it could be just some expense that I find totally normal that this person that's now budgeting says, absolutely not, I'm not gonna pay that. So we really try hard at YNAB to not say, here's where you spend money, here's where you save money. We just say, what are your priorities? Mm -hmm. Now, is your money doing that? And a lot of times people find their money's doing a lot of things that they don't really care for at all. And they stop without feeling deprived, without feeling sad. It's really a fun thing to watch that transformation kind of happen. Are there any areas of your budget that you should prioritize before assigning your dollars to any other category? Yeah, a lot of times well, there are a couple of ways to look at this. One is just survival, kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So you would say, well, shelter, clothing, food, lights on, things like that. That's pretty easy for people to say, oh yeah, this is a priority. Now, at some point, you could question your shelter. You could say, well, do we need this much house? Do we need this big of a thing? You can look at those structurally and say, maybe we can save money here. But for the most part, people would rank those as kind of their highest priorities. A lot of times in their budget, people will put those essentials at the top just so as they're funding their categories, they are able to just say, well, okay, as I'm assigning money to my rent, I'm assigning money to my grocery bill or grocery spending. I'm assigning money to this and that. And as they work their way down, they get to the less important, we call them kind of squishier categories. It's like you would love to have some money in there. If it didn't happen today, you know, things would be okay. So for the most part, the prioritization is really, you could think of it as that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You could say, what are my needs? Like what must happen? And then start to rank them on more fun, fairly subjective levels. Like, well now, okay, my needs are met. What do I want? 
What do I want more? I would hope people would want to save money for retirement. I have found that people want to get out of debt, so they prioritize paying off credit cards, paying off student loans and things like that. But we don't usually have to tell people what they should want. As they start to think through what their money should do, it's amazing how often they land on those priorities that really fit just perfectly for them. So YNAB is a very popular tool for people who like to tell their money where to go. What's unique about YNAB? Oh gosh, as a company, probably most unique is we have an army of support people, support team members that you in the app can chat over and say, hey, I this isn't reconciling, I'm confused about this. And they will hold your hand and walk you through. And with your permission, they can even jump into your budget and say, oh, I think I found the issue, it's right here. We have a staff of people that are just dying to have others experience what many of them experienced as YNAB users at at one point, where they realize that they don't have to carry around all this financial stress, there is a way out. And it's simple. It's not that it's easy, but it is a simple solution that really works. So I think that sets us apart above the fray as far as different apps you can use or different approaches you can take. We are genuinely invested in our customers' success. And we hire people that can't help but have that genuine investment just bursting from the seams. And it's really fun to see see it impact the customers and to see how much fun the team has helping people along the way. So for any of our listeners that maybe were on the fence about budgeting and are eager to get started, do you have any tips for them? Yeah, don't be a perfectionist all of a sudden. Don't suddenly decide. Not only are you going to go from I've never budgeted to now I'm the best budgeter in the world that will never make a budgeting mistake. (laughs) So that's one, just my word, be forgiving. Number two, it's not really that you're making a budget. It's not a thing. It's a process. You are budgeting. And that means you are looking at your money that you have on hand. You're not forecasting what money you will have, but you're deciding what money do I have right now? You're looking at your phone, pulling up a bank app and saying, okay, here's how much money I have. What does this money need to do before I'm paid again? That's budgeting. Now, someone listening might be like, oh, Jesse, I budget all the time. I keep track of all of it in my head. And that's true. We can keep track of a few things in our head and then it all, you know, the wheels kind of come off. So you want to just getting started, keep it really simple. How much money do you have on hand? What should that money do before you're paid? Assign those money, those dollars to jobs. And then when new money comes in, just do the same exercise. When new information arises, like suddenly you're gonna have visitors that you didn't expect and your fridge will be depleted a little quicker than normal. Then you would say, oh, I'm gonna have to add a little more money to the uh, grocery fund, things like that. It's just budgeting is a process of continually deciding what do you want your money to do? and making sure that you don't forget the future version of you that doesn't want to be on the side of a road with needing to call a tow truck with a blown out tire and not having enough funds to cover it. So that budgeting is a process, not a thing. So you are a father of seven? Yes, last time I counted. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Talk to us about entrepreneurship as a father of seven. So what systems do you have in place to make it all happen? Oh gosh, it's funny when you ask me this, I think, gosh, I don't think I have any systems, you know, but I probably do. I'm just not terribly aware of what they are. I have a pretty good regimen as far as my day goes. So I don't work crazy hours. Sometimes people think entrepreneurs will work all the time. I don't think that has to be the case. I think people can get addicted to their venture, that's for sure, but it doesn't have to be that way. So I work pretty normal hours. I get to the office at eight and the office is, is you know, on my property here in a little garage we have. So I walk over. And I will do a little bit of reading, a little bit of meditation, just kind of starting my day right, getting focused. 
And then I will work for a few hours and then I will take a break, eat lunch, maybe hit some golf balls or something or go on a walk, something that's not work. And then I'll pop back in for a few more hours. And usually I'm done by 4, 4.30 or so. And then it's what a speaker one time that I was at a thing, he said, it's now time for the second act. And the second act is me at home, not doing work, but me with the kids and making sure that I have enough energy and focus and heart to give to those seven kids that want some attention and need some help. And so it's really important for me that I am intentional about that second act. You know, when you're watching a play, you don't want to have it fizzle. They have the intermission. Mm. First act was solid. You don't want to have the second act fizzle. So by no means am I perfect at this, but I am cognizant of like, okay, it's time for the second act. So when I walk in that door, I really want to be present, you know, try and keep my phone out of my hands and just be there. It's a struggle always. Definitely is. (laughs) But it takes, but it's worth it as well. So that's the one big is just the schedule. I get up early and work out. Like I get up a little before five. So I'm an early riser. But that's not for everyone. I get up, work out. We have a little devotional with the kids each morning and we eat breakfast together and then they go off on their way and I go off on mine and and that's that. So beyond that, we prioritize dinner as a family, which I think really helps us kind of stay in the moment with each other and catch up on the day of, of everyone. I don't know, just have that little touchstone for the family so that it's not everyone in, in all these different directions all the time. You know, we get to kind of recenter as a family once each day. Well, thank you for sharing your routine with us. Yeah, you bet. Jesse, I'd like to end the interview with a round of rapid fire questions. So you can just answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Tell me about a book that changed your perspective on life. Deep Work by Cal Newport. Absolutely. What's one thing about money you wish you could tell your younger self? It's not the end all be all. There are other very, very important metrics in life. What's the best investment in yourself you've made so far? Married my wife. Fill in the blank in three words or less. Money to me is? Options. What do you want your legacy to be? Kindness. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Do you mind telling our listeners where to find you? Yeah, you absolutely. Well, you cannot find me on social channels. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe that's another hack. I don't do those. But you can email me. I'm jesse at wineab.com and I'm happy to respond to emails. I'm not super fast, but I am consistent. So I will respond. All right. Thank you, Jesse. Absolutely. Thank you. That was Jesse Mickham. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It is time for our review of the month from PNS 1920. I stumbled upon this podcast by mistake, and it was meant to be. There is some truly inspiring content and some gem of knowledge dropped in each podcast episode that causes me to take actual notes. Keep up the great work and continue to bless our community. Thank you so much for this review. I truly appreciate you. If you've made it this far, please take a minute to leave a review. Also, feel free to reach out. I love hearing feedback from listeners. Coming up on the podcast, we have dropshipping expert and business coach, Asia Abstin. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Dreamers Podcast. You can find the episode show notes and all of the links mentioned at dreamoflegacy.com. If you liked today's episode, here's what you can do to support me and help more dreamers discover the podcast. Follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate and review the podcast to help the podcast gain more visibility. 
Share the podcast with your family, friends, and co-workers. And if you really enjoyed today's episode, please take a second to tag me at thedreamers.podcast on Instagram and let me know what you liked about today's episode. All right, dreamers, that's it for today. I will see you back here next week for another episode of The Dreamers Podcast. Okay, dreamers. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It is not intended to provide any tax, legal, financial planning, insurance, accounting, investment, or any other kind of professional advice or services. Please consult with an appropriate tax, financial, or legal professional to receive appropriate advice based on your situation. Mm